0: Oh, there you go again, so please be seated. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very, very much. I, uh, I've got a you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned to be very candid with you today because when Pastor gives an introduction like he just did and like he did last night, I know there's a great risk to that because I'm sure there were those that were walking out of the building last night going two and a half years, he just wasn't that good. I don't understand that, you know, I, but uh, but I, and uh, so I think it's the whole thing of the last Sunday of October, maybe that's it, you know, because I, he's he's more stubborn than I am. No, it's got to be the last Sunday of October, but it's great to be with Ben and with Jessica and experiencing what God is doing. I hope you uh, understand when I refer to the first name, that's no disrespect, I just feel like God's given us a friendship, and I'm thrilled to be in service with you and with his family, with Reagan and Logan, and uh, i tell you how. How significant, and Reagan, I think you're the first Reagan I've ever met at age what? Are you 13 years old now? Almost 13. That's good enough. That's good enough. I, almost a teenager is pretty incredible. It really is. And uh, what what grade? Eighth grade. Eighth. That's incredible. I tell you, I spent three of the best years of my life in the eighth grade. And so it was. it's just uh, absolutely amazing. So it's exciting to see what God is doing. Today is the most important Sunday of the year now stay with me, it has zero to do with who the speaker is. Some in the room might push back on that a little bit and say, now, preacher, you've obviously never been here around here at Christmas. I mean, we have a pretty incredible time celebrating Christmas. Okay, that's good, that's good. I, I love Christmas. I mean, let's see, 4th of July has already come. That means my wife has been playing Christmas music for how long? And uh, so, uh, so we're, we're into Christmas, most, uh, most churches, you know, like the biggest Sunday of the year is an Easter Sunday. I, I, a couple of years ago, if, if Pastor, if you think you had it rough, I had a guy call me, and he said, Tom, I want a Sunday. And I said, well, it'll be a little while. And he said, no, I want one in the next few weeks. And I said, well, I, I, I can't, I don't have any, you know. And he said, no, you've got one. God told me to call you. So he was calling me a liar. And then he said, uh, and I, he said, look at your count. I said, well, I've got Easter Sunday, but you don't want to do missions on an Easter Sunday. And he said, I'll take it. And I said, whoa, what are you talking about? You can't do that to people on Easter Sunday. They're, they come to hear their pastor. He said, "Dom," he said, uh, that people that come on Easter Sunday to hear me. I've been here 14 years. They've heard everything I know about Easter. And he went on, and then I said, but there's people there on Easter Sunday that aren't typically there, and the last thing they need is a mission service. And They're going to be angry. He said, that's all right. They'll get over it. They won't be back till Christmas anyway. So, uh, and, 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 and so th- th- this guy's a bigger smart aleck than me, you know. And, and finally I'm saying, but Don, you can't do that to your people on Easter Sunday. That's t- and, and, and I'll never forget this. He said, well, that's all right, Green. Stay home and hunt your Easter eggs and just let people go to hell. I said, so what time does service begin? And so I showed up, you know, and, and we, we had an amazing move of God. Here's my point. Easter is the time we celebrate a resurrected Savior. What value would there be to celebrating the greatest gift that was ever given through God's only Son? And then the resurrection of that Lord and Savior who becomes the Savior not only of the world but of us personally. If we don't celebrate that by committing a weekend like this, and really the last weekend of every month, to saying we're going to deliver this message to those that have never heard, well, then we're missing the point. That's that's why I believe that this Sunday is the most important. If we don't hear from God today, you know what? I, I I'm just I'm just being very can't but it's just straightforward here. Somebody's got to hear from God. That's how we're going to be able to pick up those extra missionaries. I told you last night, God's given me a plan. I'm going to get in your pastor's heart for the ministry I represent. Well, you know what? How that's going to happen is when people today hear from God and say, you know what? We're going to go above and beyond and do what God is really speaking to our hearts. I'm excited about the end result of this. Well, let's go ahead and get to that, as a matter of fact. John, the second chapter. If you've got a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn with me there. The second chapter of the book of John. While you're turning there, let me mention something to you. I hesitate to do it because this isn't our purpose. But uh, I, I wrote a book. A couple of years ago, I carry it with me and make it available if you'd be interested. If you've heard some stories or whatever and you think, uh, you know, well, that guy might be a little bit funny or something. But basically, the book is about the various chapters in life. I, I was sharing with you last night. I spent almost 30 years primarily in youth ministries. And what that means is I've never grown up. Don't plan to. I've, I've met a few grown-ups and it looks like a real drag. And so anyway, uh, uh, but, uh, but I'm my wife and I, we're in the greatest chapter of our lives. We really are. We're empty nesters. People, people tried to prepare us for that day. Tom, it's going to be devastating the day that you're empty nesters, and the kids move out. Well, Pam and I have been empty nesters for 15 years, and we're still trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Because it's been a party around our place, you know, and uh, and so uh, and uh, and uh, but the better part is it's it's called grandchildren. Whew, my oldest is ten years old now, and to this day, she just says, "Papa, I love you." And I said, "Baby, whatever I've got, it's yours." First time I held her in my arms, I looked across at my son, her daddy, and I said, "Andy, I owe you an apology." He said, "What, son?" I said, "I mean, what, daddy?" I said, "Son." I never felt this good about you. And so anyway. So basically the book is entitled The Game Isn't Over. And uh, to, as long as there's breath, God has a plan for your life. And uh, whether it's young, old, or in between. So if you'd be interested in a copy, they're available in the lobby and they're $10. And so that's, that's the commercial. But thank you so much. Thank you again for all the kindness. You've been so good to me. Now would you, Now would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word. The second chapter of the book of John. We begin reading in verse 1. I think it's a story that most people have heard. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Jesus, have your way in these next few minutes. Again, Lord, I plead with you, go beyond the words of a man and speak to our hearts as only you can. Help us today, Lord, knowing that we not only heard from you, but we had the courage and the character and integrity to do something about it. Lord, have your way in this service. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've got about a 40-minute sermon that I'm going to preach in less than 20, so stay with me, okay? That means I'm going to be brief with the story. We refer to it as the beginning of miracles. This wasn't actually the first miracle Jesus ever performed. I mean, he was there when the world was created, okay? It was the first miracle of his public ministry the water, into wine, and all that went with that. Now, now I've, I've read this story in my personal devotions many times. The book of John happens to be my favorite gospel. I'm not opposed to any of the others. I just, I just like the book of John. And, and so I, but one day I'm reading through this, and suddenly something kind of jumps off the page. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's like I don't think I ever remember seeing it that way. Now, let me give you my disclaimer as it relates to this story. <laughs> Jesus was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. The disclaimer is yet without sin. Jesus never sinned. That said, I think he came as close in this story as anybody possibly could. His mother shares a four-word observation at this marriage supper. She very simply says, they have no wine. Four words. She makes a simple statement. Did you hear the reply of of her son to his mother? Woman. Now, stop right there. I've been tempted a lot of ways. I was never tempted to look at my mother and say, woman, what have I to do with you? You know what? I don't know about the mother that raised you, but my mother, are are you kidding me? If ever I looked at her and said, woman, what have I to do with you? I wouldn't be standing before you today. My mother would have sent me into eternity not really caring about my destination, you know. I know it's another day for another time, and I'm not here to talk about political correctness of child discipline, but my mother never one time looked at me and said, wait till your father comes home. My mother never waited for my father to come home. She'd beat the fire out of me and then say, and when your daddy gets home, and I would pray for loss of memory, and God never answered my prayers. Now, folks, don't misunderstand me today. I know the difference between proper Christian discipline and child abuse. Don't many, don't anybody walk away and say he was making light. That's not my purpose today. I'm not even wanting to, to respond to Jesus' reply. Let me get back to the disclaimer. He was without sin. He must have had a much better spirit than I, I'm i sure in the original language. It didn't come across exactly this way. But uh, but it's not so much his words as it is her reply. Now, this is a pearl of wisdom that could be preached for many, many weeks. When When Mary looks at her son and says, Well, actually, she didn't say it to her son. She said it to the servants. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, ladies, tell me if I'm wrong about this. I think this, did you notice Mary didn't say a word to him? She didn't get, I mean, any typical Jewish mama would be chewing out her boy, Son, don't you talk to your mama that. But there was nothing like that. She just very simply turned to the service, whatever he says to you. I think this is amazing wisdom of a mother. She said, in other words, she's not talking to him, but she said to her son without saying anything to her son, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. And Jesus, being the perfect son, moved into action, and, well, there we have the rest of the story. Now pardon my spirit of goofiness there for just a moment but I got to tell you when I say the words of Mary, boy that it's another message for another time how valuable that one line would be to us every day of our lives when standing in the line at Walmart God prompts you to speak to that cashier a word of encouragement. When you have the opportunity to reach out to a neighbor you don't know the dark valley. I'm sure many things that were discussed last week we have the opportunity to be missionaries on a daily basis. These students go to a mission field called the public schools every day of their lives. You go to a job that God has assigned you as a missionary and to be sensitive to the voice of God, whatever He says to you. But today we came to talk about missions and our faith promises. You see, missions, quite honestly, that's the definition of missions. We're simply doing what He said for us to do among the last words that Jesus gave to us. I mean, even when he used the words, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about buildings. He wasn't talking about programs. If if every building that we build, and thank God for the beautiful structure we have, every program we start, every ministry that we believe in, everything better have the central focus that we are delivering the good news of a risen Savior to our community, to our state, to our nation, to our world. Everything that we do, it's not about brick and mortar. It's about sharing the love of Jesus. We're doing what He said for us to do. He said, take this message to every creature. Take the good news of a risen Savior to every person on this planet. I'd give anything if I didn't have to give the next report. But they tell us by conservative estimates that at least half the world's population still has not had their first message of a risen Savior delivered to them. That's hard for us to comprehend. I was born and raised in this thing, been in it all my life. Born in Oklahoma, raised in Oklahoma. They call it the buckle of the Bible Belt. I mean, 24-hour gospel programming, a steeple on every corner. We live in a nation that has "In God We Trust" imprinted on our money. We are blessed to be where we are, enjoying what we're doing. But we must be reminded that because to whom much is given, much is required, and God has given us so much of the message, we must commit ourselves to delivering that to those that are waiting to hear how do we do that well we spoke of it briefly last night (laughs) you step out in the hallway you turn to your left or right out that door and you see those faces on the wall pastor referred to them earlier i i I can't say the word missionary without including the word hero and all my years of challenging young people for speed the light i've always used the terminology missionary heroes my heroes aren't people that can slam dunk basketballs. i wish i could my heroes aren't those that have mega wealth. I wish I could write the check. I guess I could write the check, but I'd be in jail tomorrow. And, and uh, I, 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 my, my heroes aren't people that uh, have great political significance, although we are commanded by God's word to pray for such. My heroes are those who have heard the voice of God and committed themselves to a lifetime of whatever he says to you. Said to those who were with us last night, I I'm personally not one of those missionaries, and uh, it's it's not that I'm I don't think it's that I'm not willing. I I remember when I when I refer to being born and raised in this thing, I I don't know if others have this experience, but where the church where I grew up in, if you think that Pastor Ben talks about missions a lot and receives a lot of missions offerings, well, you know what? You should have been in the church that I grew up in. It was probably best described by. A good friend of mine, Alton Garrison, he was raised in a Pentecostal preacher's home. He said his daddy never had a Sunday morning that they didn't receive an extra offering for missions. And Oh, there were a few people that would mumble and complain about it. And, and uh, he said his dad would get up time and again. He'd say, folks, you're not going to be in heaven ten minutes and you'll be hunting me down, thanking me for every missions dollar I ever wrung out of you. Church where I grew up. It seemed like every other Sunday night was a missionary service. Now, now I'm getting ready to show you how old I am, but it went, when I was a boy, it seemed like every missionary in the world was a missionary to Africa. We didn't know there was another continent. Anybody identify with that? I mean, we, we didn't hear about all these other places. They were all missionaries to Africa. We knew it was going to be a missionary service because when you walked in the building, all the paraphernalia would be strung across the front of the room that had the shields and the spears and the witch doctor's mask. And there'd be a 30-foot snakeskin stretched across the altar. Missionary would get up and... Now, now, I want the students to understand this because you've never seen this piece of equipment, but they, we didn't have the technology like we've got today. They, they would, the, the missionary would reach into their station wagon, pull out that rickety old portable screen and set it up on the platform. It, it was then we learned the value of psalm books. It was to balance the screen. There would be a little table that would be sitting out in front, probably eight or ten feet in front of the screen. And there was this machine that that they called a slide projector. You remember when they came along with the carousel that had like hundreds of pictures on it? And that, that made missionary services go forever. They would tell their stories and show their pictures, and it was like I could hear in the distance the drumbeat of the of the uh, the, the the people that were uh, you know well anyway, I, and, and it was just horrible. And I, I would listen to the missionary talk about sleeping in the tent in the dark of night and hearing the cry of the animals in the distance and the snakes crawling across their feet and the tarantulas on their face. And as a child, time and again, I would run to the altar and I would cry out to God and I'd say, God, please. Don't make me go to Africa. <laughs> well, you got to be careful what you pray for. I'm 59 years old, I've never been to Africa. Please don't misunderstand me. I've sung the song so many times, I'll go where you want me to go, and I believe it with all of my heart, and I've gone on those short-term mission trips, and I absolutely love it every time, but I will tell you this. It's probably for those reasons and more. When I look to those faces on the wall, that's why these are heroes of the faith, because they've committed themselves to a lifetime. We may consider it a long trip because we were gone for a week. We're talking a lifetime. I'll go to Laos. I'll go to Cambodia. I'll go to the the former Soviet Union. I'll go to the darkness of a Europe that's closed its doors to God. I'll go to South America. I'll go to those jungles of Africa. I'll do whatever he's asked me to do. Why? Because, well, these are the heroes that have committed whatever he says to you. Do it. Well, that brings us to our part in this whole situation. Now, I purposely asked Pastor, I said, could we put the cards in the hands of everybody in the room before we start? I want you to take the card if you haven't already. Now, don't begin filling it out just yet. We'll be doing this together. Now, some in the room might now are probably going, oh, boy, I know where this is going. He's getting ready to talk about money. I hate it when preachers talk about money. I can't stand it when preachers talk about money. That's all they ever want to talk about. Folks, let me put your mind at ease. That's all I'm going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. Why is that? Well, you know what I've discovered? I don't like it when the grocer talks about money, but I like to eat. I've never one time been in a grocery store and heard somebody start chewing out the person at the cash register. You grocers, that's all you ever want to talk about is money. Everything we do in life whether it's groceries, whether it's electricity. It all requires some kind of funding to be able to make that happen. Our missionaries, they're doing what Jesus has asked them to do. And and, uh, I'm not, please forgive, the. the, this is going to sound like a smart aleck, but our missionaries, they have the same evil habits we do. They enjoy eating. They actually feel a responsibility of putting a roof over their children's heads. They act, it, it becomes a, a huge responsibility for a missionary to, to, uh, to be able to provide an education. In some cases, a, a very difficult opportunity to be able to provide an education for their children you think it's tough standing at a pump pouring $4 a gallon into your car, try doing that in other nations around the world where it's 8 10 and $12 a gallon. And though we provided the Speed the Light vehicle, and I say thank you to Pastor Pete and all the young people for what you're doing in that respect, but it still becomes a missionary's responsibility to actually fuel the thing and keep it going. On and on, well, I don't need to bore you or waste your time and insult you by telling you all the expenses that are involved but basically take the expenses that we deal with on a daily basis and start multiplying it toward being the guest in a country and the various uh, uh, mechanisms of dollar transfers and going up and down. Well the bottom line is somebody's got to be able to sit there and well in a few minutes we're going to do what Mary said. Whatever he says to you. Do it. I had a young man walk up to me, Pete. It was a speed the light service. We were we were asking the young people to set their goals for speed the light and and, uh, Pastor, you got off easy when you were a teenager. I obviously wasn't preaching that service because I would challenge young people to hear the voice of God, to give at least $100 a year. And and uh, I, I remember the first time that my daughter set a Speed the Light goal. She was 12 years old, as a matter of fact, and she's 36 years old now. So this has been a few years back. And she came home from that service. She was so excited. She had set her first Speed the Light goal. And I said, Bridget, how cute. I said, this is pretty cool. Do I? Do you mind if I ask what your goal is? And she said, no, Daddy, that's fine. I said, all right. Hey, what's your goal? And she said, $300. Uh, now, suddenly, I wasn't the district youth director that was saying every kid could give $100. I, I was her daddy at that point, and I was saying, what? What were you thinking? Well, daddy, I think that's what Jesus told me to do. I said, Bridget, you understand that your, your mama and I have our own missions commitments? Yeah, Daddy, that's why I didn't write your name on the card. She's a smart. I look like her mother. And so anyway, i uh, long story short, at the end of the year, that little girl had given over $400. I was pretty excited when her youth pastor told me about it, and then I was kind of concerned because I thought, where's she been getting it? She didn't have a job. She didn't babysit. There was nothing. I thought, what's the deal? And I asked her one day, and she said, Daddy, do I have to tell you? Not a good answer, Reagan. I said, well, I'd feel better if you did. Well, you know, Daddy, uh, you and Mom give me lunch money every day. I just kind of thought I could go without lunch this year. I later discovered that that little girl was going to a locker, getting her Bible. She had a stack of those missionary cards, and she'd pray for missionaries. I don't think that's... (laughs) You said, Daddy, I just think that's what Jesus told me to do. Today I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask you to hear the voice of God. And, You know, for the sake of time, I'm not going to tell the endless stories I could of people like you who have heard the voice of God and said, I don't know how this is going to happen. Remember, faith, the substance of things hoped for. The promise, as God provides it, I'll give it. Let me just close with this thought. We bow our heads, we hear the voice of God. Maybe he speaks to us in that still, small voice. One guy put it this way, was was it an audible voice? And the guy said, no, it was much louder than that. I just know that I know. But, Green, if I write down what God's been speaking to my heart, even since last night, if I write it on that card, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to take a miracle to make... I think we refer to this as the beginning of miracles, whatever he says to you. But here's the key phrase. It's maybe not even so much what Mary said as to who she said it to. Mary spoke to the servants. If we were to do a quick survey in the room and ask for a show of hands, how many in the room consider themselves to be servants? Well, I think it would be near unanimous. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. Trust me, being a follower of Jesus does not necessarily make us a servant of Jesus. Why? Well, I'm not always the best of servants (laughs) when if I had been there that day and Those people, this man that I've never known in my life turns to me and he says, fill the water pots. I've been known to fuss with God. I probably would have been saying something like, excuse me, sir. Did you not hear the woman? She said, we have no wine. Water we've got. That's not a problem. Fill the water pots. But you know what I discover as I read the rest of that story? Servants don't debate. Servants don't turn away. Servants just respond to the master's voice. And that's when the miracles begin. Yeah, I could tell you stories, and by the time I got finished, I could be suggesting certain amounts. That's not the point. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Whatever he says to you, Jesus, we bow our hearts in your presence. Would you speak to your servants, to your children? Help us, dear God. Lord, I've prayed it so many times, and I'm concerned that sometimes you may think I don't really mean it, but, Lord, I mean it with all of my heart And like never before. We've got to hear from you so others can hear about you. If we don't, they won't. And people will perish as a result of it. Speak to our hearts, Jesus. Have your way today. Challenges like never before. Pastor, would you come?
1: Bless the Lord. Amen. We've got an opportunity today to do something spectacular for the Lord. I've been communicating over the last couple weeks that our goal this morning is not a number, but a participation goal our heart from the missions board my heart as your pastor is that we would respond 100 percent every young person to every older person here and everyone in between that we would respond as families as couples as individuals um, making a faith promise I mentioned last night that I've done this ever since I was uh, 11 or 12 years old myself and I was challenged first to make a Speed the Light promise goal at that point, and God started working in my heart, and since that time, it's been something that uh, I've lived with and have experienced unbelievable blessing because of it. And uh, that's just the the fact of the matter. So last night, we were talking a little bit about this, and we encouraged those that couldn't come today because of work or whatever to make a faith promise, and I had one one student come up to me, and uh, and give me a faith promise card, and it said a dollar a week. That's fifty two dollars, and I know this family, I know this situation, and I'm saying, that's a that is a, an incredible goal, um, for this young person. Another couple came to me and said, hey, here's the first uh, first twenty five dollars. Because we, so we we mentioned last night that we support our missionaries at fifty dollars per month um, on a regular basis, and he's, and this couple said challenge another couple to match our gift so we can pick up another missionary. I love it, I love it. This morning is all about hearing from God and doing what He tells us to do. I'm going to ask that you would take those uh, faith promise cards. And as we've been praying and we've been asking God to speak to us, I want you to take it, and I want you to begin to fill it out. I want you to put your name and address, and, and, uh, and then we can make faith promises in a, you know, a, a continued, it may be a renewal of what, what the Lord has put on your heart before. It could be brand new. You might be just connecting with us at the Gateway Church the, over the last few weeks. I want to challenge you to do something with us, uh, to, to see God do something in your life perhaps that you've never seen before. Jessica and I we've been talking about what we're going to do and you know it's interesting this morning uh, I didn't get out of the house quite on time because we ha- we still haven't figured out we want to be in unity and I just want to speak to couples you need to be in unity about what you, what the Lord speaks to your heart to do and that's important but could we believe the Lord for something supernatural this morning I'm going to ask Mary to come and uh, just provide some background uh, music just to set our hearts before the Lord. And as she plays, um, I'm going to ask that you, in the quiet of your seat right where you are, I want you to talk to your husband if you haven't already or talk to your wife or, or get with God here in the next few moments. And I'd like you to fill out the other part of this, a weekly or a monthly faith promise pledge. And knowing that those funds